episode 97, two middle-aged men in Cleveland, Ken Dworsnik and Ted York joining us today. So <laughs> your brother had a great game this past week, Ted. Sure, sure. Very exciting. We, we're not going to go in detail to talk about it, but uh, certainly had to be fun. I'm not sure if you had a chance to watch with your boys, but oh, yeah. I was very excited to watch a, a rookie kicker. Basically kickoff, uh, I don't know, 58-yard field goal to win a game. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's, I, that was exciting. That is really cool. And it seems, at least for the moment, that the Browns have finally, finally found themselves a, a kicker, something they haven't had for a while. So, Since yeah, that awesome was awesome. Yeah. You know? And, uh, you know, uh, as long as we keep getting uh, phantom rough, they roughing the passer penalties on the other team, we should be fine. Yeah. And we le- need to probably learn how to spike the ball because we well, kind of screw that up too. That, yeah, that, that was, almost, yeah, that was, yeah, well, but it know, was fun. As was in the good. words of the great uh, Dennis Green, watching the Browns, they are who we thought they were. They are who we thought they were is correct. A win is a win. Yep. Well, episode 97, my friend. Uh, whew, can't believe that. I guess we, uh, Certainly hats off to Malik Jackson. Remember Malik Jackson who played for us last year? Sure. Uh, sure. Porter Gustin. I know that's a fan favorite. Yeah. Uh, Perry and Winfrey of this year. He's wearing okay. that number. Okay. Joe Jackson. But can you name the most famous person to wear 97 for the Browns? Uh, and I, I will. Okay. Here's your hint. Yeah, please. It's in the last, uh, it's in the last 15 years. Okay. Well, it's a defensive lineman, but that's not really narrowing yes. it down. Yeah, uh, that's correct. I don't know. I don't know. How about Jabal Sheard? Remember oh, Jabal Sheard? Wow, yeah. Played for the University of Pittsburgh. He had a couple nice years with us. We drafted him, I think it was like 2011. <laughs> then he went to the Patriots. Yeah. He won a Super Bowl. Won a Super yeah. Bowl. So sure. there you go. You know, I should have gotten that because my wife, you know, she'll find just Brown's jerseys and she doesn't know who the players are. She yeah. found a Jabal. Now that you say that she found a Jabal sheer Jersey and bought it for one of my kids and they wear it anytime we're playing football. That's hilarious. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love Sheard. it. Yep. Do you wear a Jersey? What Jersey do you wear? Uh, Michael Dean Perry? No, I have a Jersey. It is a Charlie Fry Jersey. And you oh, that's, figure how, that's, out why. that's yeah. cool. Yeah, that's cool. So but yeah, he's the only, I, I, and I probably won't buy any more jerseys. I, you know, I, yeah, we're too I'm, old to wear jerseys, dude. I'm sorry. Exactly. I just, I am. I have two of them. I have Peyton Hillis that I, I got from my boss one time as a Christmas gift and Josh Cribbs that sign that I never wear that for, gave for my brother. That's it. Yeah. But I don't wear them. I just not me. No. So. Yeah. Huh. Well, uh, where'd you watch the game? Uh, well, as uh, being a dad, I, I watched it in the fine town of Akron, Ohio, which is actually Manchester, as my daughter had a soccer game, and then I finished it up in Rocky River. So nice. we had a very active weekend of sports with cross country in Seneca East, uh, where I by Finley, and then we finished the, uh, the weekend in Akron with some soccer. I, I know your weekend was busy, but did you at least have a chance to watch the Browns game at home? We did. We did. Good. Yes, we did. We watched. Um, I tried to, my son. So I was, I, I know this will come as a surprise. As the Browns game was starting, I was driving back from the hockey rink. Yeah. And uh, my son texted me 
the game is starting. Where are you? And um, <laughs> that's so cool. I uh, yeah. So I got home and he watched the two of us watched the first couple series, and then uh, Roblox and Minecraft were more interesting. Oh, fair enough. But okay. but uh, and he was on with a buddy, you know, on um, chat or yeah uh, facebook messenger whatever i don't know one of those messenger things where you can chat and talk and uh i went and got him when it was uh what was it 20 21 to 20 i think yeah yeah or something like that yeah and, um i said you might want to come and watch this and he was like, well, I'm on with a friend. And I'm like, well, come over and look at the TV, and then you tell me what you want to do. And he came over, looked at the score and the time, and his eyes got big and wide. He didn't leave the room. Oh, that's cool. Nice. Yeah. So Very nice. Yeah. So, and uh, we might, uh, uh, as part of our show, we're going to hear from him. We have our own uh, uh, unique take on um the browns panthers game some special analysis that we're gonna uh bring to you a little bit later on in this uh program we also have good news for charity and for browns fans we're going to explain in our uh, uh later on in our uh, show in our good news segment in our sports history second segment we're going to talk about my favorite browns quarterback and a record he set and I'll give you a clue. My favorite Browns quarterback is not Johnny Manziel. Uh, all that plus a misspeak of the week from Major League Baseball. And John Grabowski is here with some Cleveland history. We've got that and more coming up. And now, a woman's perspective. How long does it take a man to change the toilet paper? We don't know. It's never happened. This has been A Woman's Perspective. Overachiever segment, a 16-year-old from Lebanon now owns a Guinness World Record. Hassan Dawi correctly identified all of the world's national flags in four minutes flat. Oh, wow. Being the old record set last year by six seconds. There are 193 national flags in the world. What's the chance of you naming some of the national flags? I can maybe name 10. I got yeah. the U.S. down. I'm I good got on the that. U.S. I got uh, Canada. I got the Polish flag. Yeah, you I got, got that. Russia. Yep. China. Yep. Japan, Ireland, Germany. Yeah. Um, England. Yep. And Ukraine, because of what's going on there at the moment. Right. I'm familiar with that. I don't know. That's probably maybe after a that. Rock, I, rock. Yeah. I think you and I are both struggling. Yeah. 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 Uh, 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 did you know there were 193 of them? <laughs> I no. did not. No. All right. Well, Hey, that's not the only one we have this week. Joshua Walker of Lewis, uh, Louisiana set the record for the longest basketball shot. He made one from 113 feet, six inches away from the hoop. Now that is impressive, but perhaps more impressive 
is that that was just one of five world records that he broke all in the same day. Oh, wow. The other records that he broke that day, farthest behind the back basketball shot, farthest basketball hook shot, farthest basketball bounce shot, and the farthest basketball shot made backward. Wow. Joshua Walker, he might have to have to he might have to have the nickname Skywalker. Yeah, yeah, or uh, Metal like Arc that. Lemon, something like that. Curly. Yeah, Miller. that's impressive. Bring one of those guys back. Well, uh, that is pretty impressive. That is our overachievers. Said we were out and about once again in the Northeast Ohio, Cleveland area, eating and drinking less. I will say less. I've been doing a good job, been losing some weight. So, but uh, certainly want to have a shout out to a couple different places that I got to take in the last couple weeks. Our friend Justin Gorski from Cleveland Vegan made a visit there. He has this coffee. I, I don't know what's going on. Rising Star is the coffee maker. But he's got this special blend just for Cleveland Vegan. I, I'm addicted to it. I can have that every day. You can't buy it. You have to get it there. So uh, very cool. Hats off to Justin and Cleveland Vegan. Name one of the top uh, vegan restaurants in, in Northeast Ohio. Ted, when's the last time you've been to a wedding? I mean, any any type of wedding. It's It's been a long time for yeah, me. Yeah, it's been a long time. So anyone and I went to a wedding not too long ago. Actually, at Lago, which is on West 10th Street, you know yeah. where the Aloft Hotel is and all that. Do you guys yeah. do business over there? I can't remember. Yeah, if I believe you did or so. Not. Yeah. 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 I think I've been there. So it was an outdoor venue. Obviously, you're rolling the dice when you do that. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, the highlights were great views from like the deck area of, I don't know if you could ever have a great view of Cleveland Brown Stadium, considering that's next to, you know, a shipping yard, but great view of that, great view of downtown and the flats and all that. But Two of the highlights from the wedding, obviously the food was great. People were super, super nice. But two things that I really didn't think I would ever experience. One, there's a gentleman there by the name of Michael Baker. He's the owner of a company called Rock Paper and Cigars. So at this wedding we were at, they rolled your cigar for you. (coughs) Wow. You got to choose the type of cigar you wanted, what flavor and all that. So I would. I told Michael that I would give him a shout out. So the name of a company, Rock Paper Cig- Cigars, and the website's rockpapercigars.com. Second is I talked to another gentleman at the wedding, a lot of hardworking people, who actually has a business as a side business where he makes all these different type of wood pieces, tables and chairs and all that. He's based out of Columbia Station. Super nice man. Didn't want me to give out his name, but he said he I certainly could talk about his website purewoodstyle.com so there you go so check that out a lot of cool stuff he does a lot of different things for furniture and it's it's much different stuff that i've ever seen so that was really cool um another day we went to the asian lantern festival at the zoo have you ever taken your family to that no but i'm thinking we should yeah i think you would really enjoy it i'll have to send you some pictures we had a really nice time it's you know basically lights all throughout the zoo they do a very nice they have some of the animals that are they're you know out of their areas and you know you could see them the funny part about this we had a great time 
And actually, they have a zip line. It's called the Eagle Soar, where you could do the zip line. Basically, it's more for kids than anything else. So my kids did that. So we went to the festival, had a great time, had a little bit of food. It was fun. So a day later, I get this text, which I think many people got. The zoo is locked down. A wolf is out. So I'm... I obviously, uh, you know, was glad I wasn't there that day, but I, I saw some of the video and and obviously there was uh, they had a wolf that just kind of scaled a fence and ended up getting out. It was only out for about 10 to 15 seconds. So it was no reason to be concerned. But I, I just found that very interesting. The day before I was at the zoo and then I, I found out that the wolves are out. So now we know who let the wolves out. They yeah. Let them out. yeah, there you go. And then uh, two other things I wanted to promote. I went to the Spotted Owl, which is in the Tremont area. A and I had some drinks there not too long ago. Very nice place. And then I want <laughs> I want to give a shout out to Huff and Puff Softball. That's right. Huff and Puff Softball in the Parma area. My uncle plays softball there. He's 85 years old. Wow. And it's for people 60 and over. And they, uh, they play slow pitch softball. And I must say... I can sit and watch that all the time. It is very entertaining. It's older gentlemen that just don't care. Uh, they have actually some decent crowds that go. I have a couple other dads that I know very well. Who's I went to school with their, with their sons. So uh, shout out to them. They're winding their season down. I think they're in the playoffs now. They got like maybe a week or two left, but uh, shout out to them. If you want to check out some Huff and Puff softball, the huffandpuffers.com and then you can see them their games are at nike part in pleasant valley and parma so a couple shout outs today for the uh out and about segment ted i <laughs> i do know you've been out and about i followed you on facebook for the past couple of days and yeah you uh you went from shaker to i think uh akron ohio and yep. You were in a many different places, so you want to talk a little bit about your out and about experience? Well, uh, let's Please see. Do. Uh, on Saturday, I was at the rink at seven thirty. Came home. Oh, that's a great and time to start. That was uh, yeah. Uh, uh, we were actually there a little before seven thirty, but uh, um, had two kids at uh, simultaneous practices. That's an hour. Brought them home. Grabbed the other kid. Took him back. Had his practice. Brought him home. Uh, had lunch, uh, grabbed the oldest one. He had a tackle football game uh, in Akron at uh, Archbishop Hoban and went to that, found the field, which is always a challenge at these places. Yes, it is. Uh, watched that. They lost 27 to 26. Oh. He played pretty well, had a couple tackles and played center on offense. So that was exciting. Um, then drove back to, um, oh, I don't know what, uh, Wilson Mills area on the east side, okay. uh, watched the second half of, uh, my other two boys flag football game. Okay. Uh, my, uh, middle son had two touchdowns in the game. That was exciting. And my youngest son, um, He's still learning football, but he took a handoff and gained probably 15 yards or something like that. And the whole team gathered around him. And they're like, you got a first down. So that was really cool. <laughs> That's so, fun. That's cool. He was all excited. And, um, and then I took my uh, middle son 
from flag football to goalie practice. Oh my. So that was my Saturday. One and, helmet to another. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. My Sunday was I took two kids to the hockey rink. Uh, first practice at 745. Then the second one had practice at nine. Normally my wife comes to the rink with the other kid and we exchange because the practices keep uh, there's 15 minutes between each practice for them to cut the ice. Yeah. And um, I called my wife to make sure that uh, she was going to be there. And she's at, you know, okay, what does he need? Let me make sure. Okay. And then she calls me and she says, I can't find the keys to my car. Oh, geez. Oh boy. The best news I can have about this situation is I did not drive it last. Oh, so you can't be blamed. Exonerated. Yes. <laughs> so we're still looking for the keys to that vehicle. But oh, uh, no. I, oh, uh, yeah. So I had to get them off the ice, race home, get the other kid, bring him back. He missed a little bit of the, of his practice, but uh, you know, it is what it is. So do we need to have a big search party? Look for the keys. Uh, get I don't know. We together, we'll start to walking them. around. I don't so. know. We'll, we'll, we'll find out, but uh, yeah, that was my, that was my out and out. Oh, we went to uh, my mother-in-law's birthday was over the weekend and we went to Don uh, Ramon in uh, oh, for little leave Mexico. It alone. It's Don Ramon. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, nice. so that was good. Cool. Very tasty. Very That's nice. you, you. You know, one of us has kids that uh, are a little older, and uh, you can see how that yeah. affects our uh, social lives. A little bit. You have a lot more activities than I do. My kids are only in one event. Your kids are multiple, so that's that's obviously too. But yeah, it's. Uh, I, I had a call from a friend this morning and he kind of talked about the same situation as you. He had to go to a football practice and he had to go to a soccer practice. And of course, everything is at the same time. So it's just like, uh, what do you do? You yeah. just do the best that you can. That's it. Ted, we were out and about and we're loving, of course. Cleveland, this is for you. Time for some more Cleveland sports history, and we are knee-deep in football. And our Browns, and for that matter, Cleveland sports expert Dusty Sloan is with us. This is going to take me back to my childhood, and I think all of our childhoods. Uh, the year after the Cardiac Kids, 1981, September 7th, 1981. My favorite football player growing up, I wore number 17 every time I could, as Brian Sipe was the man. And on September 7th, Brian Sipe set a club record with 57 pass attempts. 57. Dusty, what can you tell us about this, this game where Brian Sipe probably had his arm in a sling afterwards from throwing the ball so much? Well, the, the old adage is just because you throw the football doesn't mean you necessarily win. And he, yes, he threw those 57 passes, but it was in a 44 to 14 loss to the Chargers on opening day. <laughs> there was a okay. lot of expectations for that team in 81. Obviously, like you said, coming off the cardiac kids year, but the Chargers were good too. And the problem is with the Chargers, they always, with Dan Fouts and the next group, they could always score. But, but they could never stop anybody. Well, that day, unfortunately, they stopped the Browns and, and held them to two touchdown passes. 
and Brian Sipe also threw, threw two picks. But Sipe was 31 of 57 for 375 yards. Now, Dan Fouts' passer rating that day was almost perfect. He was 19 for 25 for 330 and three wow. touchdowns. And he also got 161 rushing yards from Chuck Muncie. So the Browns were the ones who couldn't stop anybody that day. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And one thing interesting about Sipe, Dusty, and obviously he's, you know, if you think about the top quarterbacks, as Ted kind of mentioned, he was the guy that a lot of us remember when we were younger. But, you know, he was a 17th round pick. And I want everyone to think about that. 17th round pick. And then when he played for the Browns, his first two years, he was on the quote unquote taxi squad, Mm -hmm. which is the practice squad. Now talk a little bit about that and his emergence, obviously, you know, having the opportunity with Forrest Gregg and all that stuff. Just talk a little bit about Brian Sipe and his ability to be an MVP in 1980. Well, really, Brian Sipe was kind of that bridge between, you know, we had Otto Graham, we had Bill Nelson, we had Frank Ryan, all those types of quarterbacks. Mike Phipps didn't work out, and actually Mike Phipps not working out is basically what allowed Brian Sipe to come in and play quarterback in the late 70s and early 80s. Unfortunately, in 1981, that was kind of the start of his downfall in Cleveland. He threw 25 picks that year, and his passer rating was 68.2. The next year in the strike-shortened season in 82 was even worse. And then following the 83 season, he went on to sign with the uh, New Jersey Generals of the USFL. I think some people may remember that owner. His name was Donald Trump. But uh, unfortunately, that also begot Paul McDonald, which fortunately then begot Bernie Kosar. So it it all worked out okay in the end. But, yes, Brian Seip, what a – what a great 1980 season that was with all those comebacks and him being the MVP, 30 touchdown passes. Now, if he would have just only thrown the ball up into the stands against the Raiders and we could have possibly won that playoff game. Yeah, right. Well, <sighs> that's the story in Cleveland sports, isn't it, Dusty? If, that's how if, all, all these usually end, isn't it? Yeah, it would have, could have, should have, and all that kind of stuff. All right, well. Brian Seip, 57 pass attempts. The opposing quarterback has 20-some, and the Browns lose. Color me shocked. Thanks, Dusty. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Cleveland! This is for you! Well, hopefully this will be good news for a charity and uh, for Browns fans when the season ends. Andrew Filipponi is a radio talk show host on 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh. And before the season started, so about a week ago, he made this bet on the air. If the Browns finish ahead of the Steelers, in view of everyone, like in a market square type situation, hold on, I will go there at the end of the season, and I will for charity... I will give someone an opportunity to kick me in the balls in a public oh place as hard as they want or can oh, to the highest bidder. Yep. Well, Ken, let's uh, wow. Let's look at the tally here after uh, week one. The Browns are one and zero, oh, and oh, so are the Steelers on a yeah. They stuck one out of Cincinnati. Nobody to- can make a field goal. Yeah, they went to overtime to to take care of their business, but uh, so we'll have to wait and see. We'll try to follow this and uh, see if uh, Mr. Filipponi needs to get an industrial strength uh, cup. For sure. Well, what will this be called? Like the ball check? What I is this don't called? know. I okay. don't know. This is wow. I mean, I've heard of a lot of crazy 
sports bets, but this is probably the top of the top yeah. of the heap. Well, I guess we'll 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 get an update each week to find out if Andrew is uh, going to keep his crown jewels or not. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Time for more Cleveland history, and we are joined by our Cleveland historian, John Grabowski. Uh, John, we we mentioned it before, but we want to spotlight this a little bit more. You've written an encyclopedia of Cleveland history. Tell us about this book and all that went into it. Well, you know, I I didn't really write it. I edited it. Okay. Okay. But uh, the book really is important. It was uh, the creation of my mentor, Dr. David Van Tassel. And the origins of the book really go back to 1980 when Van Tassel was actually before 1980, when he was contacted by Homer Wadsworth of the Cleveland Foundation. And Homer said, we need a new history of Cleveland because the, the last one dates to 1946. And he asked David if he would write the book. And David said, no, I can't write the book. There's too many. There are too many topics. History is too diverse. They came up with the idea of doing an encyclopedia. Uh, that That's the origin of it. So I joined him as managing editor in 1981, and the first edition was published in 1987. Um, and so it had, it, yeah. I was going to say, it took six years to put it together. I'm sure there's a lot of research involved. A lot, a lot of research and a lot of fundraising. Uh, okay. Because the first and second edition of the encyclopedias cost about $1.2 million totally. Wow. So we ended up, we, we we had a lot of volunteer writers, but we had a lot of staff who were writing as well. We had an editorial staff, and I was kind of the manager of the freight yard. Everything that came in went through me. And when the encyclopedia came out, it was the first modern history of a major American city in encyclopedic format. Wow. And we went through four printings the first time around and uh, sold 14,000 copies. And... Uh, are, what, what, is it you who had to, who's the fact checker? Who makes sure, you know, that the research is accurate? We, we had two people who were hired as veracity checkers. And, <laughs> and, and they went through every article and, and, and checked them. And, uh, you know, and there were glitches along the way. And the interesting thing is that, that David knew the encyclopedia would need to be updated, so he already began fundraising for a second edition after the first edition came out. And bingo, in 1996, the city's bicentennial was an appropriate time, so we came out with a two-volume edition. One was biographical, and the other was non-biographical. But, you know, Ted, the real magic is that, that in 1998, uh, David convinced the Information Services Department at Case Western Reserve University that they ought to move, they take all the content of the printed version and put it online. Oh, wow. So we became the first online encyclopedia. Uh, okay. Encyclopedia at that point. So we've been online since that date. Um, and that's it's 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 been my job since 1981, so I've not let go of it so far. <laughs> now, are you, uh, because it's now online, does it get... Uh, printed in hardback form anymore, or is it just you go online and you can uh, see it there? It's, it's simply online. The most up-to-date version is online, and I've often told people if they wanted to donate money to print another version, I'd rather see the money invested in the history department, Case Western Reserve, which 
has some fellowships which allow me to work with our grad students. So I have two grad students, Megan Schill and Ryan Chamberlain, who do a lot of work on the encyclopedia. And certainly given the internet connectability right now, we could use more grad students. Uh, but we've, we've been able with the online version to move to a lot of photographs, a lot of internal links. It's the magic of, of a, an edition like this. Uh, and we're not like Wikipedia. Not everybody can come in and, and edit. Uh, people can sure. write articles, send them to us. We'll review them uh, if they fit our need for an article. And we've been expanding greatly. And we welcome people with corrections. We have a talk back section. And I usually get these corrections and we double check on the corrections. And we can go right to the database and update the city's history. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, the fun thing about this is, you know, the look at history had changed already in the 1980s. It's changed again and again as we see new topics, new groups that have been ignored in the past that need to be documented. We keep doing that. But the, uh, the toughest thing for us to do is, is to keep up with the articles, uh, particularly the sports articles, uh, because, the, you know, the record of the Guardians needs to be updated at the end of the season. The sure. Cavaliers. And that's what people look at. And we, we hear about it if it's not updated. But it is a solid scholarly <clears throat> publication. It's sponsored by Case Western Reserve and the Western Reserve Historical Society. And so you're constantly, you or someone is kind of, it's a living, breathing thing now. You're kind of constantly updating? Yeah, we're, we're constantly updating. Not as fast as we, we should, but as fast as we can with the staff and the accuracy that we want to uh, do. So um, we have some major new articles coming in on the LGBTQ community, uh, coming from a, a great student here. Uh, other ones that are uh, coming in from uh, Jim Culley, who was one of the people related to the people at Cinecraft Films, and he's been doing fantastic articles on Cinecraft and, and some of the media figures in Cleveland's history over the years. So, uh, so we, we have ardent volunteers who really, really push the limit and produce incredibly great articles. And if someone wants to go and take a look at this, what's the web address? Uh, www.ech.cwru. E-C-H. Right. Encyclopedia of Cleveland history. history. Just Google Encyclopedia of Cleveland History and you'll get right to it. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, now we know where all this information uh, 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 comes from. So uh, great to learn about that. And uh, John, we appreciate the time. I appreciate the shout out you're giving to the encyclopedia. Thank you. Misspeak of the week. And this one comes from Major League Baseball. Umpires are miked like football referees and address the fans after an instant replay review. This is from a game between the Padres and the Giants. Umpire Adrian Johnson was trying to address the crowd following a challenge on a double play. Here he is. After review. After review. Call on the field is overturned. Runners safe. San Diego retains their challenge. Yes, sir. That mic was already on. Oh, that's the old hot mic moment. You want to hear that one more time? It's so cool. Oh, yeah. Let's have it Please one more do. time here. After review. After review. Call on the field is overturned. Runners safe. San Diego retains their challenge. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh. Wow. That's uh, that's great. Well, I think we've all been there. As we've been told for a very long time, 
Any mic, you should pretend as though it's a live mic. And that's the misspeak of the week. Time for a Browns breakdown, two middle-aged men in Cleveland style. And that means that uh, we have some analysis, and that analysis comes from a young man I know very well, my oldest son, Fritz, who watched the uh, Browns game on Sunday. And Fritz, uh, the Browns kind of escaped with the win, but what did you think uh, early on in the game? It kind of looked like the Browns were in control for a little bit, no? They were. Yeah. What did you think of how they played early? Good. Yeah. Okay. Man, a few words. Okay. Uh, what did you think of Baker Mayfield in the first half? Awful. Awful. Yeah. Why? Got sacked too many times and he threw terrible passes. Okay. Well, all right. We're getting it all right here. Baker was able to uh, lead them on a comeback. He had that big, long touchdown pass. Uh, the Browns defense kind of let the Browns down, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So were you surprised that the Panthers were able to come back? Why? Because they had Baker Mayfield. Because they had Baker Mayfield. Okay. All right. Exactly. Well, clear, clearly we're going to get some some cards from the Baker bros. Uh, so the Panthers come back and take the lead. What did you think when that happened? Did the Browns have a chance in your mind or no? Yes. They still had a chance. You thought so. Now, why did you think so? I mean, they have a backup quarterback, and they've been running the ball the whole game. But you thought they could move the ball well enough to get into field goal position. Why? Of course, they have Cade York. They have Cade York, of course, yes. Next, uh, Justin Tucker. Next, Justin Tucker. Okay. What did you think of Jacoby Brissett's performance prior to what wound up being that game-winning drive? Was he good, bad? He was okay. He was okay. All right. What what was what could he have done better? Um, had better accuracy. Better accuracy. Okay. So on that last drive, uh, there was a kind of a controversial play where the Panthers got called for a pass interference or a, a roughing the passer. What do you think of that? People, it was a good call. It was a good call. So you think he did get roughed? Wow. Okay. All right. All right. And uh, and then he kind of double clutched when he was spiking the ball. Yes. And it... when he got roughed by the passer when they were calling it, Brian Brian Burns' expression was who's oh, Brian Burns, the guy who roughed it. Oh. His expression, I could not explain. It was hilarious. It was hilarious. Okay. Now, uh, Cade York had already kicked a couple field goals. But here he is with a with a fifty eight yard kick. Did you? What did you think before he kicked it? Did he? Did you think he was going to make it? Not really. No. <laughs> Not really. Okay. Well, I always say honesty is the best policy. So you were surprised that he uh, that he made it, huh? Yep. Okay. I would replace him with Tom Brady. Cade York. Yep. You'd replace Cade York. With Tom Brady. No, don't do Okay, okay. I replaced him with Justin Tucker. Okay. All right, but Kate York seems to be a pretty good kicker, huh? Yes. Yeah. Rookie okay. year, first game. Yeah, okay. So, the Browns have the Jets coming up this week. Oh, gosh, they're going to crush them, like. They're going to crush them? Yeah, like 
45 to 21. Okay, so that's a 24-point spread. So Vegas is not going to give that many points. So you take the Browns minus the points is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. The Jets don't have much. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. They got Joe Flacco. You mean a terrible quarterback? Okay. All right. Okay. Guys, he only won one Super Bowl. Only, he only won one Super Bowl. He can't be that good. Only won one Super Bowl. Yeah, well, Ben Roethlisberger won two. Uh, he's he's better. Go, he's better. Yeah. Okay. Course, and Ben I'm Roethlisberger sure. retired. Joe Flacco's still going. Yeah. Okay. Well, he only won one Super Bowl. Yeah. Ben won two. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, as we look around the division, the Ravens won. Lamar Jackson had a big game. Yep. Is that a surprise? No. No. And the Steelers and Bengals. Uh, put a clinic on and uh, not how to how to not kick. They could have used Cade York, huh? Yeah. But uh, last second of overtime, Steelers come through and get a win, and so it's a three-way tie. Not a big surprise, but we got a three-way tie atop the division: Steelers, Browns, Ravens. With the second last play, eight seconds left. They decided to pass it. Yeah. Awful choice. Awful choice. Okay. All right. a Mitch. It's a Mitch play. That's a Mitch play. Okay. All right. Uh, going back to the Browns, last question. What would you think of Kevin Stefanski's job uh, as the call the plays and such? It was good. It was good. Okay. Besides that one time where he decided not to kick it. I see. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for that uh, Browns breakdown, young man. Nice uh-huh. job. you have any other opinions you want to share? Yeah, what? Steelers are better than the Browns. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. That's our Browns breakdown. It's time from Fritz. Woo! The most trusted name in journalism, Klops Clips. Here we go, Ken, with the news you need to know, even though you may not have heard it yet. I need it. Yep. A mayoral candidate in Winnipeg recently outlined his cycling infrastructure plan that includes plans to reduce bike theft. Now, less than 90 minutes after this press conference, Rick Schoen parked his truck in front of his wilderness supply shop with his bike in the back. This is the bike that he had at the press conference. Now, he says he was inside for about two minutes, and when he came out, the bike was gone. Oh, jeez. Stolen. Man. Now, Schoen is not the only candidate to experience theft during the campaign. Another candidate had a catalytic catalytic converter stolen from her campaign RV. Oh, man. Theft is apparently a problem in Winnipeg, Winnipeg. man. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. Staying north of the border, Canadian news anchor Farah Nasser was on the air when this happened. Eight weeks of nonstop torrential rain. A national emergency has been been invoked, but the weather in Pakistan, extreme weather, is alarming. Nita Gracha reports. Nasser shared that clip on Twitter saying that uh, what happened there, she actually swallowed a fly. Oh, on the set, in the middle of speaking, and it was stuck fluttering in the back of her throat. Oh, gosh. Well, 
Oh, there you go. <laughs> Can't say we've all been there on that one. Investigators in Nigeria have confiscated thousands of <clears throat> uh, donkey genitals. Oh, <laughs> Hong Kong. 16 sacks of male genitals were seized after being falsely declared as cow male genitals. Apparently the smuggling of donkey skins and other parts is a big problem in the country where the population of the working animal has decreased significantly to the point where lawmakers are trying to pass legislation to stop the problem. I I, I wish I wish we could show the, the folks listening the look on your face right now. I'm really speechless after that. I, <laughs> I did not wake up today thinking I would be talking about the private areas of a donkey. So, wow. <laughs> and Maybe, it's, uh, it's a delicacy. That's a delicacy, I guess. Okay. So. It's delicate, that's for sure. Yeah. In sports, the college football season is underway, but in week one, apparently not everybody was on the same page at the game between East Tennessee State and Mars Hill. We're on for the PAT, successful initial scoring drive for ETSU as I think Keltner got a little scared there by the cannon going off in his backswing. That's, that's a little interesting, but nearly gathered the football up and went for two. That's going to be one of the most bizarre PATs you'll see all year. And, folks, you got a chance to see it on the opening drive of the season. You're not kidding. Keltner is as steady as they come. I don't know what happened. Like you said, I guess the cannon guy, they may fire him after this. Yeah, you, I think he's in big trouble. Don't go after the kicker with the cannon. That audio, courtesy of ESPN+. Plus, The cannon guy apparently didn't know how long the wick was, I guess. I, I don't know. Oh, my. But, uh... Set the cannon off for the touchdown celebration, and as the uh, kicker was in mid-kick, and as a result, uh, East Tennessee won the game 44 to seven instead of 45 to seven. I wonder if that, that affected anything with betting. You never know. Yeah, the kicker could be in trouble. That well, the, the cannon guy could be in trouble too. Uh, <laughs> All right, well, there it is. That is uh, this week's collection of Klopp's Clips. All right, you can really buy this, Ted, one of your favorite segments. I've kind of thought of a way that I want you to save money. That's what I'm all about. You know, we always talk about these crazy exorbitant prices for different things. Well, I wanted you to find a way to save the most money possible and go to the right stadium for a family of four, for four tickets, four hot dogs, two beers, two sodas, and parking. Hmm. I want to find the stadium for you where you can do that the cheapest. Okay. So there was a poll that was done by The Hustle, and they kind of basically put together information on the price of tickets, beer, soda, hot dogs, and parking, and then kind of put all the numbers together. Of all the stadiums, the average price yeah. for all those items, $204. Oh, my God. Oh. 
Isn't that unbelievable? $204.76. Now, we'll go to the most expensive. Which baseball team do you believe would be the most expensive game to go to? Dodgers. The Dodgers are up there. Yankees. They are sixth. The Yankees are up there. They're third. Oh. Uh, Diamondbacks. Well, you threw it out there. The Diamondbacks would be the cheapest. Oh. So for them, it'd be $126.34. So you named the cheapest. Sorry. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, the Cubs. The Cubs are second. Okay. At $312.85. The Mets? Mets are up there, but they are not the tops. White Sox. Nope. They're uh, uh, they're kind of middle of the pack. Uh, San Francisco Giants. Giants are tenth at two forty five thirty six, but they are not the tops. You get two well, guesses. Yeah, we we I, I think I'm out East of guess. East Coast. You got to think about oh, the East Coast. Coast. East Coast. Oh shoot, the Boston Red Sox. I gave it away to you. Yes, yeah. the Boston Red Sox. So if you wanted to go to a Boston Red Sox game, once again, once again, this is on average. The average ticket price would be $61.71 each. Okay. Beer would be $9.50. Soda, $5.50. Hot dog, 6 bucks. Parking, $23.53. So your average for a family of four to go to the game, $324.37. That's insane. Now, your Cleveland Guardians are kind of lower... Yeah, I would say lower pack. Uh, it was $170.37. Average price for a ticket, $30. Beer, $5. Where's that at? Where's the $5 beer? Yeah, I, not I go when I'm there. Now, I've never seen a hot dog, three seventy or soda, three seventy-five. dollars hot dog, four fifty, and then parking, twelve seventy-five. Where's that parking, by the way, too? What do you see? $12.75. <laughs> I'm not familiar. <laughs> With any I mean, uh, around the uh, around the facility, it's like twenty bucks. Yeah, so, that's but uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool thing. Go to the hustle.com and it shows you all the different stadiums and all that stuff. Uh, the Pirates are also pretty low as well. Their average uh, for a family of four would be the average would be one hundred fifty dollars and twenty five cents. Huh. So the Guardians not too bad at ninth, but if you wanna experience top dollar. Going to Boston at 324.37. We have to take out a small loan. <laughs> Just a reminder, you really can buy this. Oh no, not a dad joke. I'm getting kind of frustrated, Ken. Why? I'm trying to figure out what IDK means. Every time I ask, the person I asked says, I don't know. That joke was horrible. Wrapping up episode 97. Ken, we're three episodes away from triple digits. Are we we gonna figure out we should like maybe broadcast from the from the top of the terminal tower or something? I, I don't well, think they'll let us do that. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to go somewhere somewhere special. I, I don't know where that would be. Boy, it sounds it sounds like a date. Danny's Deli. <laughs> Danny's Deli. Yeah, we just be do perfect. it at the, at the table there while people are. We'll hear. Uh, yeah, 
Well, as many people know, Tony, who, who obviously yeah, it's, it's, Tony. it's his place with his wife, might have to bleep some stuff out. He oh, yeah. gets after it every once in a while. Yeah. So. yeah. Where's the country? <laughs> what a great place. Oh, tremendous. Now we're getting there. Obviously, 98 and 99, I'm, I'm all ready for, for players on that. And Yep. Uh, I just can't believe, and we talked about this with Jen Rastovich last week. I can't believe we're basically almost at the end of September. I mean, yeah. we're, we're pretty close as you think about it. school started. And I mean, we were in the middle of, you know, football season started. I mean, we had a full day of football going on with NFL and in college football. And yep, here we go. The fall is here. Let's yep. enjoy it. Let's enjoy it. Well, any, uh, anything exciting planned for the next couple of weeks? Anything exciting? Oh, yeah. I do have big news. Okay. So for the longest time, Awen and I have talked about going to a Penn State football game. No, I, I don't want to hear it from these Ohio State honks. Oh, my. Okay. I, I do I do watch Ohio State football. I, I, I watch their games. I didn't go to school there. You and I both went to Ashland. By yeah. the way, our team is playing well. We're 2-0. We don't give up points. It's great. So we talked about going to Penn State game. Awen's been a fan for a long time. So we actually broke down. And we're going to go at the end of September. I'm going to watch them play Central Michigan. Central Michigan, Penn State. So that should be very exciting. I will give you a full update on how that goes and talk about the the game itself and take pictures and all that. So I'm excited. First time going there. It's one of the largest stadiums in football. I don't know if you know that. It holds 106,000 people. Wow. So it, should be, uh, it should be pretty fun. So I got that and obviously more. Kid events. We uh, got to go to Youngstown Boardman for some cross country. We have some soccer coming up as well. So out and about for sure. I'm not going to ask you. I'm not even going to ask <laughs> what you have. It's too too hard to follow. I'll just get on your Facebook this, account yeah, and see this, where you're at that day. That's kind of where I'm at. Where I check in. That's pretty much it. That's yep, you got pretty it. Much it. Pretty All much. right. Well. Uh... We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll have a hockey and football update here again sometime soon. Yes, yes, we will. Well, Ted, as always, have a great week. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. And don't forget, we're just two middle-aged men in Cleveland. Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland is sponsored by Westminster AV. Custom audio-visual packages for all occasions. After review. Mm.